Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Well, at age 19, Lisa Brockman made the most frightening and rewarding decision of her life. She left the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and began truly following Jesus. As a sixth-generation Mormon, Lisa shares the central, nagging questions and conversations that led her from the faith of her ancestors to discovering the biblical Jesus in her new book, Out of Zion, Meeting Jesus in the Shadow of the Mormon Temple. And we're so glad to welcome Lisa on the road today. It's a joy to have you here today, friend. How is this fine day treating you thus far? It's a joy to be with you. And <laughs> it's a lovely Florida 70-degree day, so I cannot complain. Oh, Oh, there's, there's some jealousy on the other end of this phone line right now. But. I, I, could, I could understand that. Oh, that's all yeah. right. Okay, well, let's talk about another beautiful place because take us back to where this journey began for you in beautiful Utah, which do you think, first of all, it's fair to say is ridiculously underrated in its argument for being one of the most beautiful states in the union? I do think it is. I think it's so stunning. And it has so many different landscapes. But it offers and ski resorts right outside the city, which you don't get that anywhere else. So I probably shouldn't say that because it keeps the crowds going to Colorado. But yeah. it is just beauty on steroids, I would say. <laughs> I totally understand yeah. what you mean, too, about keeping it quiet. I'm originally from Montana, and the word among Montanans is never talk about how awesome it is here. Otherwise, everybody else will want to come. Just be aware. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yes. your family was not just LDS. You could stretch your Mormon lineage back six generations to the founders of the church. Just how central mm-hmm. was faith to your family growing up? And did you really buy in personally? Mm. Well, faith was the center of everything in my family. My parents are extremely devout Mormons and practice their Mormonism every day of their lives in some way, shape, or form. By the time I was six years old, my greatest dream was to one day meet the man of my dreams and marry him in the Mormon temple, where we would then begin our journey toward uh, becoming gods and goddesses in the celestial kingdom one day in heaven. And so Mormonism was everything to us and we loved our religion and we lived our religion. (laughs) Many of us are going to be familiar with the LDS faith on some level, but maybe the central question to tackle for us and revisit up top would just be, what are the central differences between traditional streams of Christianity and Mormons when it comes to how they view that path to salvation? Mm. Well, that would be easiest to give you a picture of by just sharing with you the Mormon plan of salvation. And that I think that those major differences will begin to pop out and become visible, visible. And so Mormon, the Mormon plan of salvation begins in a pre-existing world where heavenly father 
who is the God of this earth and the God of the people of this earth, was married, we believe, to Heavenly Mother. And Heavenly Father was flesh and bones. It's flesh and bones. And we don't know much about Heavenly Mother. We're not told much about her because we were told that her name is to be revered. And so if we don't know much about her and scripture doesn't talk about her, we can't take her name in vain. Hmm. And so Heavenly Father was once a man who exalted and progressed into Godhood. And then he and Heavenly Mother birthed every single person who occupies this earth as spirit intelligences in that pre-existing world. And Jesus was their firstborn. Lucifer was also one of their children. And then the rest of us came along. And so that, so Jesus was created being, and he was our brother, literally. Well, the goal is that we would, or the vision is that we would all then have the opportunity, like Heavenly Father before us, to progress into Godhood one day and have our own planet and world like he does now. So one of the central mantras that we repeated so often throughout my childhood as is, as God now is, or as God once was, man now is. As God now is, man may be. And that was my normal. And so we set off to progress but in the pre-existing world, we could only progress ourselves so far. And we needed to come experience free agency and gain a mortal body in order to complete that journey of progression. And so we came to this earth. So from the sounds of that, then, an awful lot of the burden falls on you. How do you begin to work that out and live that out? On this earth, the goal is that we would all need to obtain a Mormon temple marriage to exalt into the highest heaven after this life. So the Mormons believe in three levels of heaven, and only in the highest heaven can you have eternal life, which I'm going to define as in the presence of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. Those two do not reside in the other two levels of heaven. And only Mormons are able to qualify themselves to get to that highest heaven. And so the prerequisites are many for a temple marriage, but one essential one is a Mormon baptism. And so as a eight-year-old girl, I, I experienced my baptism day. And that was my dad baptized me and confirmed me a member of the Mormon church. And that was the, I mean, greatest day of my life up to that point. And I dreamt of that day for years. And it, be, it was the day that began my journey toward eternal progression. And so what I needed to do then was make myself worthy throughout the rest of my years for Heavenly Father's love and acceptance and presence through being righteous and keeping the laws and ordinances of the gospel, we called it, and making myself worthy to one day marry in the Mormon temple. And so wow. at eight years old, that didn't feel like a heavy burden. That wow. was keeping the word of wisdom, which was avoiding coffee, tea, alcohol, and tobacco. That's easy at eight years old. Paying a full <laughs> tithe, which is 10% of our tithe, going to church every Sunday, obeying all these moral laws, of Mormonism. And so as an eight-year-old girl, I was like throwing pebbles into that foundation of my eternal destiny. 
We're just so glad to be talking with Lisa Brockman today. Lisa, a writer, a missionary who traces her journey out of the LDS faith into relationship with Jesus in the freshly released book, Out of Zion, Meeting Jesus in the Shadow of the Mormon Temple. So Lisa, you talk about how this list of do's and don'ts is pretty easy to keep up with when you're eight years old, but as you grow, as you enter your teenage years, your junior high years, well, I imagine things get a little bit tougher. There were more temptations, and I found myself very aware that there's a shadow side at play in me, and there was no room for a shadow side in Mormonism. The cost of the shadows in me was that the Heavenly Father's presence through the Holy Ghost would need to leave me, and so there was no constant presence, and so I was always in this tension of in or out, am I in or am I out, and hiding my shadow side and working really hard to present that I'm worthy to the world, to our community, to Heavenly Father, even though I knew he's always watching me and he knows when I'm not worthy or when I am. And so eventually the goal for a Mormon child is to make ourselves worthy of that temple marriage or going on missions beforehand. And once the Mormon obtains that temple marriage, they're in a really good place to qualify themselves for eternal life in that celestial kingdom. And if they do, when they die, one, they'll find out if they've done enough and been good enough to make it. And if they do that well, then they end up progressing in the highest, it's called three degrees of glory in that highest heaven. And with a temple marriage, you can make it to the highest degree of glory and then exalt into a god or a goddess where you're sealed to your family from your earthly family for all time and eternity in this heavenly realm. Well, that sets it up beautifully. Thank you so much uh, for that explanation. There's so much to dig into, but you trace in the book, you know, the difficulty of adhering to the do's and the don'ts and how you gave up on some of that code late in high school, but it wasn't until you were in college when you first started to really question the central beliefs of your faith, right? It was when you met someone. Yes, I was a tennis player at the University of Utah, and one of the girls on my tennis team wanted to set me up with this guy on the baseball team, and she just said, you guys are going to click. You're two peas in a pod. And I met Gary, and I had rebelled against the Mormon faith system or values. I had just like was a pressure cooker waiting to blow by my senior year of high school. So much shame and just longing and desiring for a release from that shame, if even for a night. And so I found that abusing alcohol gave me that freedom and that release. And I did, I still believed in the Mormon church with all my heart and I knew it was true And I knew I'll just clean up my act one day, but right now, this is my way of managing the shame and the pressure and separating myself from it completely. And so it was in that season that I decided to play tennis for the University of Utah instead of Brigham Young University and met Gary. And Gary and I totally clicked. And we had been on a couple dates and... He asked me what faith system I was a part of, and I told him I was a Mormon. 
And I asked him what he was, and he said, I'm a born-again Christian. And I was like, what the heck is that? I've never heard of one of those in my entire life. In Utah in the 80s, I was very sheltered. There was no internet. We were mostly populated Mormon, definitely the majority. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so one thing that was really unique about Gary is that he talked about, even though he was partying with me, he knew what he believed and he, he really believed it as heartily as I believed what I believed about Mormonism. So this baseball player with this exotic faith and belief system, what is it that he says to you? What does he ask you in the conversations you begin to have that start to change things? He talked about God, though, in such a personal way. And he talked about Jesus all the time. And it was really stunning for me. It set him apart from anything I'd ever experienced in my life. And it kind of annoyed me, too. I was like, why do you talk about him so much? And then I was wondering why it's so annoying that I'm annoyed that he talks about Jesus. So that's where we began. And we sat in his car after we dated about a month. And I was, I was getting out of the car to go pick up a report card. And he said, Lisa, how do you know the church is true? And I ripped my head around and I said, with all the knowing in my mind and my body, because I've experienced a burning in the bosom to confirm that it's true. Hmm. And he said, how could you entrust your entire eternal destiny to a burning in the bosom? And I knew no other plumb line for discerning truth. And he said, how do you know Joseph Smith is a true prophet of God? And nobody had ever asked me that question either. And again, I said, because I've experienced in the burning, a burning in the bosom, and I know that he is a true prophet of God. And then he proceeded to ask me if I could defend the historicity of Mormonism. I was like, I don't even know what that means. Can you <laughs> defend the authenticity of Joseph Smith as a prophet? Again, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never been thoughtful about my beliefs. We were taught to feel really well. And it's not that we didn't study there was a lot of study, but you don't question. And that was clearly infused into my soul. And so that began after Gary asked me, that was about a 20-minute conversation. And by the end of that conversation, he had dismantled my knowing where what had felt like such a firm foundation eternally felt like quicksand. And I was in a free fall mm. realizing I don't know what I believe and I can't defend it. Lisa Brockman is with us today on the road for Faith Radio. She's a writer, a missionary, who traces her journey out of the LDS faith into a relationship with Jesus in the freshly released book, Out of Zion, Meeting Jesus in the Shadow of the Mormon Temple. This is a journey that you trace and that takes some time in the book. But what was it that moved you eventually to say yes to Jesus? We we understand, you know, how, how what you have believed, you've started to call it into question. But, but so many people, yeah. when they say no to a system of beliefs, they say no to religion entirely. But that's not what you did. And I would say that was an act of God putting Gary in my life. I worshipped guys. Guys were my God. Uh, that was bred into me from the time I was a little girl where my husband would become my God if I made it to the celestial kingdom. And so I was crazy about Gary. And as a result, I would keep coming back for these painfully uncomfortable conversations. And Gary and I decided about a month after that initial conversation that um, totally 
unnerved every part, every cell in my body. But we would do Bible study together because we both believed in the Bible in some way, shape, or form. He believed it was the Word of God. I believed it was the Word of God as far as it was translated correctly. So we had the Joseph Smith translation, and I just thought, okay, we can study the Bible together. And I thought what I would find in the Bible would just mesh up with my Mormon doctrine about the nature of man, the nature of God, the nature or what what we're here for, where we're going, and how we get there in the end. And I began that first Bible study, and Gary, the Bible study presented this whole vision of God, the biblical God, taking me to Isaiah, that there was none formed before me and none after me. And I was absolutely mind-blown and very resistant. And realized in the Bible that God is not flesh and bones, never was, that God is spirit, John 4, 24. And I'll tell you, I've worked every angle for John 24. Like, no, that grammar must be wrong. It does not say that. And I was yelling and I was passionate. And I'm like, God is flesh and bones. And he worked his way to Godhood. He's still flesh and bones. And I would fight tooth and nail. And that's where we began. Well, so how do you move from a reaction that's that passionate to a place where you're at least willing to listen and to consider? Gary, each Bible study presented a new a new window into the Bible. And so next was the nature of the Trinity and this three this God manifested in three persons. And that absolutely blew my mind. I had no category for that. And wasn't receptive to it either. And then something about Mormonism is because Mormons believe that God is flesh and bones or their theology is that, it's like God has been brought down to man's size. And then man will one day be exalted to God's level. And so there wasn't this vision of, I had no holiness in my concept of God. And so I think it was a God I could wrap my mind around and the biblical God was not one I could wrap my mind around. And it, and I was very resistant to that. And then the nature of people was next where all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our works are but filthy rags and on and on verse after verse. And Gary looked at me and said, Lisa, I have a sinful nature and you have a sinful nature. And it's like something dark came out of me and I screamed, I do not have a sinful nature. I am divine. And I believe that everybody on this earth had a divine nature and was basically good. And Jesus died to help us overcome the grave. And that was salvation. But he does not give us eternal life. We work that out through our temple marriage. And so it was one doctrine after the next where as I started to swim in the waters of the Bible, I just felt like I was drowning and clamoring to get out. And so I began to read for five months books like Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell and other, other works that talked about histor- the historicity of the Bible because I had to come to the point to determine is the Book of Mormon true or the Bible. And then I studied the historicity of the Book of Mormon and found there isn't any. 
Sharing the story of Lisa Brockman on the road today, Lisa is a writer and a missionary who traces her journey out of the LDS faith into a relationship with Jesus in the freshly released book, Out of Zion, Meeting Jesus in the Shadow of the Mormon Temple. So you go on this journey of study and discovery, and that leads you to the belief that the historicity of the Book of Mormon just isn't there. But where does that leave you with the Bible? So after five months about of that journey, I came to the realization and belief that the Bible is the inerrant word of God and it's trustworthy. Mm. And that was, that was the breaking point for me where then I could begin to embrace these doctrines of God, the doctrine of humans and our nature and the plan, the biblical plan of salvation and how I obtain eternal life through grace alone. I can't make myself worthy. And so that was another four-month journey of wrestling through these doctrines, these biblical doctrines. And I knew I want this God in my life. I want to live in his kingdom. And at the same time, I'm like, God, I don't get who you are. I cannot wrap my mind around this whole one God, three persons. And then... He just came to me so attentively and pulled back a veil, I would say, gave, giving me a portal into another reality. And there I had a vision. And Jesus was on a throne, and there were a sea of people around him, bent over, all singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come over and over and over. And I had never read the book of Revelation. I had not, it, it was a completely unknown picture to me. And I fell to my face and I joined in the throng of worshipers. And at the same time, I was still on looking and I was like, okay, God, I can't wrap my mind around you, and I think that's the point. And your holiness brings you this near to me. Like, that's the lover you are. And so, Jesus, come in and have full access to this heart. And he ushered me into his kingdom that day. Wow. Beautiful stuff. Right there from Lisa Brockman, the writer and missionary, traces her journey out of the LDS faith into a relationship with Jesus in the freshly released book, Out of Zion, Meeting Jesus in the Shadow of the Mormon Temple. And we just have several minutes left. I wonder, in terms of so many of us who have loved ones, who have friends, coworkers, Mm -hmm. who are of the Mormon faith, what is one thing that you would tell us about sharing Jesus with them? One thing that that may help us to be a light? Mm -hmm. Well, I would tell them, I would tell you to begin with testimony and ask them to share their testimony with you because testimony is one's plumb line, a Mormon's plumb line for truth. And so that's how they know the church is true and it's everything to them and they value it and they share it often. So that's my first foot forward. Please, would you share your testimony with me? I'd love to hear that story. And then it opens the door for me to share my testimony. And we can come to a place to see there's got to be something more than personal testimony as our plumb line for discovering truth. Because we both know that we know that we know that the God we believe in and what we believe is true. And so 
we can't be at that place. There's not, it's not possible that both of us have the truth. So I begin there with a lot of curiosity and embodying Christ to them. So much of journeying, it's a journey, it's a long journey with Mormons. And you get to join in a conversation that God's already having with them. Mm. There's no pressure. And I think that's like, yeah, there's so much you want to offer them. So live it and embody it. And in my book, I journey with a woman named Tiffany, who is a neighbor of mine who is Mormon. And I think that will give such a vivid picture. But that's where I would begin. Well, the book is called Out of Zion, Meeting Jesus in the Shadow of the Mormon Temple. It really is a fascinating look at this life of Lisa Brockman. I'm sure available wherever fine books are sold. But if we want to start the journey on the web, where should we go? Well, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, yes, there is kind of everywhere. <laughs> and my website is lisabrockman.me, and you can access it through that as well. And I have a blog, so I'd love to share that with you. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. You will lead us through the storms, fire before us, you're the brightest. You will lead us through the storms, fire before us, you're the Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.